Well, Merry Christmas, Seacoast. Whether you are pre-Turkey, post-Turkey, whatever, now you can wear it, say it, share it, sing about it. So we are glad that you are here with us. My name is Josh Walters. I'm one of the pastors here. Welcome. If it's your first time here at the Mount Pleasant campus or at one of our campuses or online, wherever in the world you may be, we are excited that you are here with us this weekend. Would you believe that over the last 30 days, we've had 23,356 people join us for a whole service for the first time online? Isn't that incredible? It is awesome. I'll tell you a little bit about how that came to be as we're getting started. Jim Wright, who serves at our Somerville campus, has for many years made it his mission to attend a correctional facility every week of every year. He wants men and women who may be incarcerated to know that they are not forgotten, that God sees them, knows them, loves them. And so he's made it his mission to serve for years. He would burn DVDs of Seacoast services and take them to local correctional facilities. And recently he let us know about a partnership that we could have with a company called Adovo. Adovo provides secure tablets to inmates where you can provide links to put on those tablets where they can watch services much like Hours. And so about a month ago, we started that partnership. Adovo's in 373 facilities, 300 of which had an inmate who watched a Seacoast experience for the first time uh, this last month. And so we're stoked about that. Really excited. The other cool thing is that Adovo's analytics are remarkable. Like we know there's 15 people here locally that joined a service from McDougal Correctional Facility. There were 177 at Maricopa County, Arizona, and on through every facility. So it's just incredible. And before we move on in the service, I wanted you to know, uh, for anybody watching and joining us, that Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon are known as the prison epistles. The, the Apostle Paul wrote them in Acts chapter 28 while he was behind bars. And though you're in a season where your freedom may have been limited, the Spirit of God knows no bounds. And while you are, you are in a facility, man, he can bring about freedom and fullness and abundance of life in your own heart. So we're proud of you for going after him. And as a church family, let's give them one more hand. Just let them know. We're so excited that you're with us and excited about what God's going to do in your life. We're going to be praying for you. We've already gotten a letter uh, from a woman in Colombia letting us know which uh, messages spoke the most to her and what God's doing in her heart. So man, continue to share your stories and know that we are uh, very much with you. I want you to also know the reason that that came about. That partnership with Adovo was $10,000. And we were able to pay for that because of your generosity, your giving towards legacy. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Josh shared some vision, what he sees God doing here over the course of the next year. And throughout the month of November, uh, you've given $550,000 towards legacy initiatives next year. So, so excited about what God's going to do next weekend is Legacy Offering Weekend. So if you've been praying about what you and your family may do or how God might be calling you to give generously, man, we are excited and thankful and just can't wait to see how God continues to use us. So let me pray for us and we will jump into our time together. God, we thank you so much for this time and we praise you, Father, for every person all across the country who would engage with your power, your presence, your spirit here at Seacoast and call this church home. We're thankful that your word doesn't return void in any and every season of life. If we're in a situation where we've brought trouble on ourselves or if we've just stepped into trouble, God, we know that it's a promised reality in our lives. You told us in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. You have overcome the world. Might we experience 
your overcoming, your power, your love today in each of our lives. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, hey, this weekend, we are kicking off a, a new series, Christmas at Seacoast. And one we do every year during the holiday season, we take a little different direction on each year. This year, we're gonna be looking at the primary themes of Advent, love, joy, hope, and peace. And a couple cool resources for you that are gonna go along with that. If you've downloaded the Seacoast app, we have an Advent devotional, devotion that drops every single day. You can read at breakfast or dinner with your family, spend some time praying together. But in all of the hustle of the holidays, just a resource to help you be preparing your heart as you anticipate his coming as well. Also want you to know that seacoast.org forward slash Christmas is up. And so if you're wondering which Christmas Eve service you're going to go to, which campus you're going to go to, what are the service times look like, you can get all of that information there. I would say Christmas Eve is one of my favorite services every year where we serve as a family. So it's just an opportunity. Each of our campuses will near double in size and we need our dream team too as well. So it's a great time to sign up to serve and greet and welcome people into the house of God. Well, my theme this week and of those that we're talking about over the next few weeks is love. And perhaps the, the most well-known famous verse on the love of God is where we're going to jump in. It's in John 316. This is what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. God is the, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is omniscient, meaning he knows all things. He's omnipresent, meaning that he's everywhere. He stands outside of time. And so when he separated the land from the sea, the, the dark from the, the light, he saw in full time, you and I. So when he says, for God so loved the world, yes, he loved his creation, but his prized possession was you and I. And he knew full well that man would struggle with sin. You spend any time with any two-year-old and the one word you don't have to teach them is mine, right? We all have a propensity to sin, to selfishness, to anger, to pride, to envy, to lust. And the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. What you and I have earned because of our struggle with sin is death. It can lead to a physical death, but here the, the word he's using is speaking to a, a spiritual death, eternal separation from him. And in his incredible love for you and I, he sent his son. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. He took our sin upon himself. He paid the price for our sin in full so that we could have a relationship with God. He so loves you and I that he sent his son to die on the cross for our sin. Conceptually, we all know the importance of God's love. We know that we, we need God's love. When Jesus came, he said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So God's desire was eternal life with us. Jesus came that not only for eternity, but today we would have fullness of life, abundance of life. Some translations of this verse say a rich, full, and satisfying life. And it's not just talking about so that you might have a lot of money, be well fed, and have all the stuff you want, right? But that we might have a peace, a joy, a fullness in our hearts that, that surpasses understanding. Well, if I were to evaluate my life on any given day of the week, all too often, I feel like there's a little bit of a gap between this abundant, full life that Jesus came to offer and the, the life that I experience on any given Tuesday, which leads me to question, well, okay, what's up with the gap? 
Like, why do I feel at times like I'm living at a deficit? Is God's word true? Yeah, I would say absolutely. What he said is true. His son came. We have the promise of eternal life. We can have rich, full, and satisfying life in Christ. The question for me then is how, how do I reconcile the gap? How do I reconcile living at a, a deficit or at least feeling like I am some days? And there's probably a lot of reasons there. The one I want us to look at today is our struggle to receive. And it can be difficult for us to receive the love of God as much as we know we need it. Think about it this way. I want you to go back to the last Christmas that you remember as a kid. For me, it was the Christmas. My dad got me a hundred disc CD changer. I didn't even know there was such a thing. I had a little collection. You could load them all in there, select the number you wanted. I had to look in a little book about five minutes later, the song would actually come on. <laughs> I could not deal with that today. Right. But I remember as a kid, just being so hyped up about Christmas. There was one in particular, I was younger and my parents literally, they would tuck me in. I'd get out. They tuck me in. I get out. And finally, they had to put me to bed holding a box. They got a picture of me holding this box like, oh, you know, like it's all wrapped up. I was just stoked, so excited about Christmas. Now, imagine all of that kid energy of, of Christmas, your parents calling you downstairs on Christmas Eve. They're like, hey, buddy, we know it's been a busy holiday season, right? The, the school parties and recitals and more recitals. We really have loved all of your recitals. We're so thankful the teachers do all of that. It's wonderful. Then the class party after the grade party, it's great. We love all of that. We love that basketball season picks up after Thanksgiving, right before Christmas. It's the perfect time for you to start another sport. We're really thankful for that opportunity as well. And we're really excited about tomorrow morning. They're all sitting there wearing matching pajamas. I don't know why you do that, but that's the environment we're in right now. Mom and dad say, well, listen, because we've been running around and it's been so busy, there's something really special for you tomorrow morning. And so head upstairs, get in bed. We'll see you down here at nine o'clock in the morning. As if you could assign a time for them. Right? I'll see you at 530 in the morning. I want to spank you back to your bedroom. All right. So next morning, mom and dad get up early, cook some cinnamon rolls. So the house is smelling like Christmas. And that sausage and egg casserole thing, I'm not sure what that is, Katie, but I like it. So we can make that again this year. House is smelling good. Kids run downstairs. Mom and dad are on the couch, a little cup of coffee, a little plate of food. They run down. They look under the tree. The, the gifts ain't under the tree. Then they start thinking, oh, they don't fit under the tree. They run to the window. They look out in the driveway. Like, what did they give me? There's nothing there. They come back and they say, Mom, Dad, where, where, where's, where's the gifts? Well, Where's the special stuff, you know? And dad says, well, son, that's what your mother and I wanted to talk with you about. The gift we have for you this year is our love. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine the mutiny you would have on your hands, right? Because, of course, every kid expects their parents to love unconditionally, to serve, to sacrifice, to correct, to comfort. They want that and they need it. And when a kid doesn't get it, man, you start having behavior issues. Stuff starts going sideways. We know we need the love of our father. But the reality of our kids is like, yes, they want our love, but they want some stuff, right? They want some stuff. Well, you and I are God's kids. We know we need the love of God, man. It's why we're here. 
We all feel it this time of year. There's a, there's a collective corporate shift and focus onto this gift of Jesus, this baby. And each of us in our own journeys and our own place know that we desperately need the love of God. But man, we also want some stuff, right? And it's not all bad stuff. There's something some of us are running after in our careers to work hard and provide or possessions we've always dreamed of or wanted or owning your own home or whatever it is. It's not that it's all bad, but all too often, if this is what Jesus came to offer and this is what I'm experiencing, man, we can, we can elevate our pursuit of many of those things above fullness of life in Christ. So there's a lot of reasons we struggle to receive, but one of them is that, man, we got... We got our hands full, like with a whole bunch of other stuff. It can be difficult for me to really focus in on and receive the love of God for myself. At times, it's because of, of pride. Maybe have you ever been out to eat with somebody and you go to get out your card to pay for the bill and they're like, no, 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 I got it. And there's something in you that feels like you need to turn this into an arm wrestling match. It's like, no, I got it. You know, no, I, I got it. You know, and all of a sudden you're arm wrestling, reaching over the table or scheming the next time you go out with them to go to the bathroom and give the waiter your car before you get down to the table. So you can be like, ta-da, gotcha. You know, like I pay for that. It's not all ill-intended, but there's something in us that wants to show like, hey, I can, I can pay for myself. I can pay for you. I can provide. You don't need to cover me. I got me, right? So sometimes it's, it's having our hands full. Sometimes it's pride. There's a lot of reasons that we struggle to receive. But man, as we head into this Christmas season, I don't want us to be living from a deficit or feeling fatigued or tired. Man, I'm praying that people would see the love of God, experience the love of God, that it would overflow from each of us. That man, if they're searching, I've got an answer for you. Perhaps one of the best texts to look at, how can we learn, how can I best receive the love of God, comes from Luke chapter 17, 11 through 19. This is what it says. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So I can best receive the love of God. A couple thoughts for us. Number one, by faith. I can best receive the love of God by faith. Going back to our story in verse 14, it says, when he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, the reality of anyone living with leprosy at this point, it's a skin disease that affects your, your nerve endings, incredibly painful, it's trans, transferred through spit droplets. And so anyone with lep leprosy would be removed from society, from their families, from their homes, they were outcasts. Jews and Samaritans would often be together. People who didn't associate with one another would be, would be united in their, in their pain. So these 10 lepers who had been removed from life as they knew it have this encounter with Jesus from a distance. Jesus, have pity. Have pity on us. He says, go show yourselves to the priest. Now, for anyone who had been cleansed of any illness, that was the, the next step to reenter society for the priest to declare you clean. And so they're standing before him with these lesion-type 
pain points on their arms, like it's visible what they're, what they're walking through. They have this encounter. He says, go show yourselves to the priests. Now, they were going to have to take a step of faith while still looking at the, the pain and reality of their lives. They had to look beyond the pain that they were currently in in order to grab hold of the promise that Jesus had for them, to experience, to receive what it was he had. I can't help but think, man, all too often in my life, we live in a world that says, if it's too good to be true, it's probably, if it seems too good to be true, it's probably too good to be true, right? I um, buy pretty much everything on Facebook Marketplace. Christmas is coming. We've got 27 kids. Man, that's a lot of money. And so I try to find things that are, are used and like new condition, right? <laughs> that I can bless my children with. So I'm, I'm all over the place buying everything on Facebook Marketplace. And now that we're moving into a new house, I've been doing the same thing with the house. Lights, fans, appliances, anything I can find. Well, Katie and I had just ordered a refrigerator and uh, I found the exact fridge that she wanted on Facebook Marketplace at like a third of the price. So it's like 12.45 one night and I text this guy like, hey man, is that still available? I'll take it. He hits me right back up. We start messaging back and forth about it. It's almost midnight. He says, hey, do you just want to talk? And I was like, sure, it's midnight. Let's do it. You know, like, hey, what's up? You know, so we talk. Yeah, I'm a pastor. The house is right across the street. He knew where the church was at. He was like, well, I've got a lot of people interested. Can you give me some kind of deposit? So I know this is legit. I was like, of course. I'll hit you up. 200 bucks. I'll pay you the rest when you get here. He was like, all right. So he's like, I'll, I'll, I paid him to deliver it to me. And so he was going to come at 9 o'clock the next morning. I was going to meet him at the house save some money, return the other fridge, Merry Christmas. You know what I'm saying? I was fired up. Nine o'clock the next morning, I get there. I'm looking around. Where my truck at? Looking for my fridge. It didn't come. <laughs> and so I call my guy. I'm like, hey, uh, you, you still coming? He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I got held up. Uh, let's say 11. I'm like, all right, that'll work. And I come back to work, ride back over there at 11, standing at the curb, man of God, looking for my refrigerator. <laughs> I go to pull up his profile to call him again. The profile's been deleted. Fridge ain't on Facebook anymore. Dude done stole my fridge and my money, right? Man, I was so mad. We know we live in a world, if it seems too good to be true, it's probably too good to be true. And all too often as a people of faith, man, the very essence of the gospel we've put all of our hope in is about a God who was without sin, who, who, stripped himself of glory to come and pay the price for my sin. The very nature of this whole thing is all faith. Conceptually, we know that, but we need a functional faith like this leper that even when the circumstances of my life are broken, appear sick, that I can still take a step of faith, believing that he can do what he said he would do, that he can heal, he can restore, he can provide what areas of your life does it seem absurd to take a step of faith because everything else that you're looking at will tell you it's not going to work out or this isn't right. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from you. This is the gift from God. It is not from works so that no one may boast. This isn't something that you can, you can will yourself to do, work yourself to do. It is a gift from God. We receive by faith. Hebrews eleven six. 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we live by faith and not by sight. It's like, man, conceptually, I believe that. Man, I know that verse. 
But all too often, if I take a closer look at my life, I tend to live by sight. The steps that I take are, are calculated and evaluated and careful. And man, I'll take risks, but I'll have a fair degree of confidence in it. When as the people of God, man, he's inviting us to live lives of epic adventure that aren't always going to make sense. They're going to require us taking steps of faith when people are going to look at us and be like, bro, what you doing? There ain't no fridge there. You know, like that's not going to make sense, right? But it's the invitation that we would live by faith and not by sight. If you were to look at your life and evaluate the decisions you've made or your track record or your resume or the number of times you said you were going to start doing something or stop doing something only for it to not happen, you can so easily, so quickly disqualify yourself as someone who's worthy of receiving the love of God, deserving of the love of God, when the good news for all of us today is it doesn't have anything to do with you. He so loved us all on his own. We all have two daddies. One, we bear the resemblance of our earthly father. And second, we bear the resemblance of our heavenly father, descendants of Adam and Eve. Man, we were made in his image. He loves us because of who he is, because we are his kids and we receive his love. Number one, by faith. Secondly, is through obedience, through obedience. It says, and as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. If I put myself in this story as one of these 10 lepers, I can see them walking up the road, right? They just had this encounter with Jesus. He says, go present yourself to the priests and you will be cleansed. And so they're walking up the road like, I just can't believe. I can't believe this is actually happening, man. We're going to get to see our families again. I'm going to get to go back to work again. This is amazing. You know, if I'm them, there's, there's going to come a point where I'm walking forward, but I keep looking back because at whatever point, if I don't start seeing some healing feeling some healing. I want to know where Jesus is, right? So I can run back to him because I've seen him do other miracles like the Lazarus thing, walking in or the little girl, Talitha Kuhn, little girl, I say to you, get up. Like, I know you can do some real time in the moment, miraculous miracles. And I would love to experience that right now for myself. You know, what if in their obedience, if they had taken a step, taken another step, taken another step, then turned around and said, you know what? This is ridiculous. I've already been rejected once by the priests and all those in my community. I don't want to walk in there again and be rejected again. Man, their inability to continue to take steps of faith and obedience would have robbed them of the blessing of the miracle of the power and presence God had for them. And I can't help but wonder how many times in my own life have I started with the best of intentions? Have I started in good faith following after God and things gotten hard? Things gotten difficult and me stopped walking on in that direction. I remember when Pastor Ernest went to plant Front Range Christian Church. He spoke last year and I'll never forget when he left and Pastor Jeff Surratt was praying over him. He said, I'm confident that Ernest is going to be successful because he's modeled a long obedience in the same direction. I just thought, man, I want that to be said of me, that I would keep taking steps of faith, that I would keep being obedient knowing that goodness is coming after me, that God is with me, that he's not going to leave me or forsake me. John 14, 23 says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to them and make our home with them. John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Joshua 1, 8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. 
And when I think about my, my faith 15, 20 years ago, and even now, if I'm not careful, when I close my eyes, the countenance of, of God that I, I see is of this parent who's about to lose it. Just like, Walters, get it together. Don't do that again. You know, like, watch what I do, you know? And so much of my obedience in, in the past has been this obligatory, fear-driven, like, I've got to make my dad happy. But the reality is that he loves me. He wants to have a relationship with me. And my obedience flows through my relationship with him, believing that, that goodness is coming after me, that he has good things in store for me, that he loves me, that he wants to bless and reward me, not that he's some angry God I can't make happy. His wrath was satisfied in Jesus on the cross. So I can receive his love when I, one, do it by faith. I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. I've got to receive the free gift. But then secondly, through obedience, not an obligatory religious sense, but because I live in relationship with him. And I've approached things my way in the past. I've approached my, my finances. I've approached my relationships. I've approached my flesh pursuing and doing the things that I want to do. And the truth is he has a path for all of us that leads to life. But as kids, he created, man, we can't run after things our way and expect them to be blessed. If I will walk in obedience to him, man, I'll experience the rich, full, and satisfying life that he came to offer. So I can best receive the love of God, number one, by faith, number two, through obedience, and number three, with gratitude. Luke 17, 15 through 18 says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? So picture these 10 guys walking up the road. At some point, he experiences a healing. He realizes the pain is gone. The sores on my skin are gone. I feel totally different. Knowing at whatever point he wanted to reenter society, he was going to have to go and present himself to the priest. It was the law. It was a part of the process. But he was so overcome with gratitude. So thankful for this work God had done in his life. He turned and had to run back to find Jesus. And man, I wonder how often in my life do I just catch blessings in stride, right? God does something great in your life. You catch it. You get knocked down. You get back up and you keep on running, right? Because there's another day coming. There's more stuff to do. It's so easy for us to just receive blessings and keep on moving. But this guy refused to move on. Refused to step into this renewed new life that he had without making sure Jesus knew how incredibly grateful he was. In July, Katie and I went to Togo to drop off our second daughter, Abigail. We run a, a nonprofit called Francis and Benedict out of Togo, West Africa, where widows and single moms design skirts for American women. We've probably been 50 times over the last eight years. And our daughter, Abigail, was going to run some of the impact initiatives that we do there in Togo for her first semester of college. So we were there to drop her off for the semester. And while we were there, Pastor Francis said, hey, tonight we've got a Thanksgiving dinner that we need to go to. I was like, Thanksgiving dinner in Togo. Did y'all have pilgrims and stuff too? Like, how does this, <laughs> how's that work? You know? And so he's like, no, a woman got a, got a promotion with her job and she's holding a, a Thanksgiving dinner. I was like, oh, cool. Well, we walk in, she had draped fabric all along the walls, wrapped the columns with ribbon. There was bottles of wine on every table, a big spread of food. 
And as the women came in, they were kind of dancing, doing this number right here. She gets up to the microphone and she says, I remember when I was 10 and I was orphaned. I never envisioned a day where I could throw a party and invite my friends to celebrate the work that God has done in my life. And she handed the phone to her, her sister. Her sister grabs it and says, I remember when I was eight and, and you were the one sacrificing your stuff to care for me. And now look what God has done, allowing you to care for everybody. They went on and on and on, everybody sharing where they just stopped. Before she stepped into the new job, before she stepped in to the new thing, the only purpose of the dinner was to glorify God. Say, look what our God has done. And because I was there, they, uh, they said, Pastor, bring a word. Like you keep it in your pocket or something. I'm like, what do you mean, bring a word? <laughs> like, okay. Well, the, the word that came to mind in the moment was this verse. We've all been recipients of the goodness of God. His love has been poured out on us. Man, he has done so many amazing things in each of our lives. And all too often, man, I'm one of the nine. Receiving it in stride, doing what he told me to do, trying my best, moving on to the next thing. And it, was just, it challenged me, especially in American culture. It's so easy to not be a people who are full of gratitude, constantly reminded of the price that was paid for my sin, not just for eternal life, but for abundant life today. What areas of your life demand gratitude that you need to stop and just praise God for? Maybe you struggled with infertility and today you now hold a baby. Praise God for the gift of life. Maybe you've been praying for a spouse and he hasn't come along yet, but guess what? This is the only season in your life where you're going to be single. You get to be the bride of Christ, walk with him, know him intimately. You can thank him full of gratitude while you wait. Maybe you remembered a season where you were unemployed and now you're in a sweet spot and you need to stop and go back full of gratitude. Say, God, thank you so much for what you've done. Katie recently in our home started what she calls the circle of honor randomly at dinner. Um, the, she'll pick someone if we have a guest there or if we're spending time with somebody. She'll say, hey, circle of honor. The other night we were hanging with our friend James. She said, circle of honor for Mr. James. The thing is, everybody has to use their own words to say why they're thankful for him, why they're grateful, what they see in his life, and they have to look him in the eyes. So it's awesomely awkward. <laughs> but it forces them to find their voice and to get outside of their world and all the me mind take to say, man, I'm really grateful for this for you. I always see this in you. You do this for me. Thank you. And you can break eye contact and go back to eating your, eating your food. But it's been a small thing that's helped us see, man, there needs to be some behaviors of gratitude. Sometimes where we, we purposefully stop to thank others. Sometimes where we purposefully stop to look back to remind ourselves of God's incredible love for us so that we can receive it in full today. Man, it's so easy in this season to run harder, to push more, and to give when we feel like we have a deficit. Might we be a people overflowing with the love of God who have fully received it so that we can fully give it to others. Let's pray. Yeah, we thank you so much for this time of year and the, the collective, the corporate shift towards your coming, the gift of your son, Jesus. And we just, I pray for each of us, if there's any lack within us, any place of deficit or gap between the life that we're living and the life that you came to offer. God, might you meet us today in your kindness and in your incredible love. Help us to keep the main thing, the main thing, to focus in on you, to let everything else fall in order. 
Might we be a people this Christmas season that receive your great love and bring others along with us to do the same. God, be with us now as we respond. In Jesus' name, amen.